What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Be sure to hit that like button, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or a video drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Um, just first thoughts on this thing that we call the Giants game. Um, and it's not in the negative light. I was just coming out with those words. You have to be proud of the way the Giants played. And I'm not a person who takes moral victories. Uh, not at all. We played our third string guys... And we battled and we fought. I mean, we had a rough first half, but the second half adjustments came in. And the Eagles looked poor. This is a team, I mean, you could give the built-in excuse, yeah, they're injured, but they still overmatched the New York Giants in terms of talent. You know, everybody predicted this is going to be a two-score game, this is going to be a this game, whatever, blowout on the Eagles' side, blowing out the Giants. Um, But it didn't turn out that way. And if anything was solidified in this game across the NFL is that Brian Dable should be the coach of the year. Because you can make your case about Nick Sirianni. He's got a stacked roster. Um, Another one I've heard is Kevin O'Connell. Well, he's got a pretty good roster. And the Vikings have been a little fraudish the last few weeks. And that's who we're going to see next Sunday. Um, Obviously for the Wild Card Series, which is Sunday, 4.30 which I'm very excited about. Obviously, we didn't think we were going to make the playoffs this, this year, uh, and we're, we're just happy to be back. We're happy to be back. We're happy to be playing meaningful football again, uh, unlike some of the other teams across the NFL that got eliminated in Week 18. Um, but I'm going to go over playoffs, momentum, all these other different things towards the end. Uh, we're going to go over different evaluation standpoints, Uh, For certain players, this may be a shorter podcast, so, I mean, every time I end up saying that, um, you know, this turns into like a 30, 35-minute pod, but hey, listen, you know, I I don't want to make too short of a podcast, but I don't want to overextend anything in terms of analysis. So let's get right into it. Uh, We'll go into the stats. Davis Webb, 23 of 40, 168 yards, 4.2 yards per attempt, one touchdown, 73.9 QBR, and a passer rating of 78, 75.8. Uh, Jalen Hurts, 20 at 35, 229 yards, an interception, three sacks taken, 24.9 QBR, and a passer rating of 65. Obviously, you had the fake punt, and they called that a pass attempt for Jamie Gillen. Uh, they also called that trick play a pass attempt for Lawrence Cager. They said, you know, on the stat sheet, they were sacked. I really don't count those as sacks because, I mean, you could very easily say... Gillens was another thing. Lord's Cager, that was a tackle for a loss, more like. Even though he attempted to throw it. So it goes down as a sack. I don't count it as a sack, personally, because it really wasn't given up by the offensive line. Uh, The New York Giants rushing game was actually pretty good. There were times, you know, there were negative plays, mostly in the first half. But the second half, man, I mean, over the last few weeks, we've seen that the Giants rushing game has just blossomed in the second half. Um against the Washington Commanders, against the Vikings a little bit, against the Colts uh, with our backups in, and now obviously against the Eagles with our backups in again. Uh, Gary Brightwell was the lead carrier. 11 carries, 60 yards, 5.5 yards per pop. Davis Webb, I mean, he had some scrambles. He did have two design runs, um, or three actually, but he had a, he had a nice truck over Reed Blankenship, and uh, that's something you like to see. 
even though he's a backup and you really don't want him getting hurt, even though he is a third string. Uh, it's good that, you know, he pushed it into the end zone for the team and everything else. Uh, he had one rushing touchdown, four carries, six, uh, excuse me, 6.8 yards per carry and four, 41 yards total. And then Matt Breida, uh, someone who's been crucial the last few weeks in terms of that rushing game that I've been talking about. Uh, more last week against the Colts, that's where he got most of his bread. Four carries, 28 yards, seven yards per pop. Uh, the rushing yards aren't as high as many people would you know, think. But uh, 21 carries, 129 yards, one touchdown. That's 6.1 yards per carry. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Got some chunk plays there. Uh, you know, in the second half, first half, as I said, it really wasn't going too much. But hey, listen, you know, it worked when it worked. And the Giants were playing competitive football in a game they should have been blown out. Uh, the Philadelphia rushing game, Boston Scott had his usual touchdown, nine carries, 54 yards, six yards per carry. Kenny Gainwell, five carries, 35 yards, seven yards per carry. Miles Sanders, 11 carries, 33 yards. They did a good job of uh, stopping Miles Sanders because his longest carry was six yards. So good job at the run defense there. Jalen Hurts, three carries, 13 yards. Excuse me, nine carries, 13 yards. Uh, 1.4 yards per carry. So that totals 34 carries, 135 yards, 4 yards per carry, and a touchdown. So, um, you know, you take Jalen Hurts out of it, maybe it's a little bit more. But they did well. I mean, they did better than last time. I, I really can't complain. Once again, this team played really up to the competition uh, as the Eagles played down to the competition. But for a bunch of backup linebackers and backup defensive linemen, you know, they did good in the running game. Uh, for the Giants receiving game, Lawrence Cager was the lead receiver. He was the favorite of Davis Webb, eight receptions, 69 yards. Uh, Marcus Johnson, three receptions, 36 yards. Kenny Galladay, we'll talk about him in the offense and maybe what the touchdown meant. I mean, we were just yelling. We were laughing in the bar um, when, uh, when he had the touchdown because – my first initial thoughts was like, he dropped it, but I'm like, where's the flag? And then I realized, oh shit, he came down with it. And we all started laughing. It was fun. Um, Nick Vanette had two receptions. Matt Breida had seven receptions and Brightwell had a reception. For the Eagles side, four receptions, 95 yards for A.J. Brown. Devonta Smith, seven receptions, 67 yards. Dallas Goddard, six receptions, 46 yards. Quez Watkins had two receptions, 14 yards. And then Kevin Gainwell, one reception, seven yards. So we move to the defensive side of the ball. We'll start with the Giants. Rodarius Williams was the lead tackler. But talk about sacks, tackles for loss, all these different things. The Giants in total had three sacks, five tackles for loss, three pass deflections, and four quarterback hits. Gerard Davis, he was the, I would say, second leading tackler tied with Rodarius Williams. One quarterback hit, one tackle for loss, half a sack. Michael McFadden, uh, he had a solid day. I mean, you know, he's not going to do anything I would say eye-popping, but that's who he is at this point in the season. Uh, one sack, two tackles for loss, and a quarterback hit. Tamon Fox also had a tackle for a loss. I mean, he's solid against the run. Uh, not much of a pass rusher, though, at least what we've seen. I thought he had a sack, but he didn't. Uh, Nick McLeod, one and a half sacks, tackle for a loss, a pass deflection, and two quarterback hits. Um, Cordell Flott had a pass deflection. That's pretty much it in terms of the Giants' defense and all those different categories. You take a look at the Eagles' defense. Now, the sacks, they say there were two sacks. I don't agree with that because Jamie Gillen was, quote-unquote, sacked. 
and uh, you know Lawrence Cager was quote unquote sacked. I don't believe that, as I said. But uh, moving forward, they credited Kaiser White with the sack, a tackle for a loss, two pass deflections, and a quarterback hit. C.J. Gardner Johnson had a tackle for a loss. James Bradbury with two pass breakups, um, one tackle for a loss, and a pass deflection for Marcus Epps. Quarterback hit and pass deflection for Javon Hargrave. Milton Williams with a tackle for a loss and a pass deflection. Zach McPherson, uh, tackle for a loss, quarterback hit, and a sack. Darius Slay with a pass deflection. Three quarterback hits for Hassan Reddick. Patrick Johnson, a quarterback hit, and Fletcher Cox with two. In terms of turnovers and all those different things, Dane Belton had another interception, which is interesting. It's interesting because the last game he played in that he was really considered a starter, uh, he had an interception as well. That was the Texans game, but to be fair, there was a little bit of time where I didn't understand why he was not playing, but hey, listen, you know, obviously the coaches know more than we do at this point. Moving forward with all that stuff, talk about the team stats, uh, Giants, 18 first downs, Eagles 23, passing first downs. Uh, they, meaning the Eagles, had 11. Giants had 11 as well. They had 11 rushing first downs, and we had six. First downs for penalties, Giants had one. Eagles had one. Third down efficiency, Giants were 4 for 14, and the Eagles were 5 for 14. So, you know, very subpar in terms of third down efficiency. Giants were two for three on fourth down. And the Eagles didn't go for it at all. Total plays, Giants ran 63-72 for the Eagles. Total yards, 284 for the Giants, 342 for the Eagles. They had 11 drives, Giants had 10. Yards per play, Giants 4.5 yards per play. And the Eagles had 4.8. Red zone attempts, the Eagles were 1 for 5, the Giants were 1 for 2. Penalties, Giants had 8 penalties for 66 yards, that was a killer during the game. False starts, uh, particularly Evan Neal. I don't know if there was any holding penalties. There weren't too many defensive penalties, but there were penalties mixed in there that killed the Giants. Uh, one turnover, obviously that was the interception thrown by Jalen Hurts to Dane Belton. And then time of possession, they had 31-26, and we had 28-34. So let's go into these key takeaways. Offense. Uh, I'm going to start with Kenny Galladay because that's the that's the biggest uh, story out there. Kenny Galladay gets his first touchdown. And, you know, obviously we've been down on Kenny Galladay. We have. Um, and a lot of people have mixed feelings. Oh, he was sabotaged or, you know, he's not good or whatever. I mean, last year he looked like a solid player for this team that was being very much underutilized. Um that was the type of offense he was fit for, but then they changed a couple of things because the offensive line and just, you know, Jason Garrett wasn't a good play caller. He wasn't good enough, uh, a good offensive coordinator. And then you come into this year, like you question how much uh, attention is Kenny Galladay going to get? And, well, he didn't get a lot of attention. Right now I think his stat line is like six receptions, 81 yards and a touchdown. And, you know... You could question, there are some ways that the Giants could have factored in Kenny Galladay in this offense a little bit more. I mean, you can legit question that. But the coaches obviously don't have a fit for him. And maybe they're not best friends, you know, the coaching staff and Kenny Galladay. And I think he knows that. I think we all know that. 
and Kenny Galladay is not going to be a giant after the season, and he is not going to get reps in the playoffs. That's my personal opinion because, you know, one game probably is not going to change anything. I mean, he got backup reps, uh, you know, with the Colts game last week when it was a total blowout. So um, I don't think anything changes. It's good to see Kenny Galladay get a touchdown because it gives us a little breathing room. But it's still a horrible contract. Player was overpaid. And he's not going to be a giant next year. He's not going to be a giant next year. And I just don't think he looks the same in terms of body. You know, he obviously had a couple of drops. That's physical and mental combating. Um, but he just looked like a better player last year compared to this year. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens with him. But I don't think it's going to be a, uh, a good path. I think it's going to be parting ways when it comes to February, when it comes to March opening up some money for the New York Giants, but, uh, you know, good for Kenny Galladay. You know, a little bit of a self-boost with the touchdown, and, uh, yeah, pretty much that. So, Davis Webb, I thought he was mediocre. I mean, I didn't expect a lot from this game. I didn't expect a lot from Davis Webb, but he put up solid stat lines. I mean, he obviously had the big rushing touchdown, which was great. Um he had the passing touchdown, which was a heaver to Kenny Galladay. But there were some throws that he did miss. Like he missed a check down to Matt Breida. Uh, missed a couple other throws over the middle. that he got, you know, obviously hit. Or he didn't get hit. Uh, but he missed a couple of Lawrence Cagers. So, you know, there's that. And I think on the stat sheet, Kenny Galladay actually had seven targets. Uh which the catch percentage isn't very good. It's actually under 50, but that's not all attributed to Galladay. Um, I mean, there was a pass deflection by Bradbury uh, on one of the plays. It was like a slant. So, um, you know, Davis Webb was just mediocre, but hey, listen, we could have had a shot maybe to win if we had the onside kick, but there was a lot of different things that, you know, were the reason why we didn't win this game. And listen, look, obviously, we take this more as a positive rather than a negative. No loss of step from the running game. And that goes to the offensive line, man. 6.1 yards per carry. Brightwell, you know, he's still doing his thing. Matt Breida coming off of, you know, a hot end of the game last week. And then uh, Davis Webb. I mean, you know, he had some solid yards per carry. And the rushing touchdown. So there's that. Lawrence Cager is the lead receiver. Yeah, I mean, he was uh, the best receiver on the field. He was catching mostly everything that went his way. I don't think he had a drop. Uh, just two missed throws by Davis Webb. And, you know, that just shows, obviously, this game, it wasn't just about resting starters. It was also about evaluating depth pieces. And I think Lawrence Cager, is he your typical blocking tight end? No, he cannot block t to save his life. He couldn't block to save anyone else's life. But he is a good weapon that is a mismatch for tight ends and safeties. Uh, he's a converted wide receiver. That's why. I don't think that there's, you know, anything to talk about in terms of separation. But uh, with that being said, he was a lead receiver, and I think he's worth keeping around for the next year, you know, when, when it comes to the preseason and all these different things. Uh, O-line allows no sacks again. Uh, so the first half, it was, I want to say, Tyree Phillips at left tackle, Ben Bredesen at left guard, center Nick Gates, Right guard. Who the hell played right guard? I mean, I'm mixing up things. It was right guard was Jack Anderson. Right tackle was Evan Neal. And something needs to happen. And I understand, obviously, listen, I'm very patient with rookies. Evan Neal's a rookie. 
I mean, I'm not going to, you know, under, you know, estimate that. But there was like three false starts on him. That can't happen. If that's in the playoffs, that costs us. So Evan Neal, whether it's getting out of his stance, knowing the snap count, he needs to do a better job. The coaches need to get him up to speed and just get those kinks out. Um, I think he struggled on the edge a little bit. Uh, but from what I know, it's the same issues. So hopefully some of that can be teetered in the playoffs and we could, you know, just change the direction a little bit. Um, you know, obviously heading into the playoffs and even heading into next year. But, uh, you know, the run blocking was solid. Pass protection was solid. Obviously they had nine quarterback hits, but you take two of those away with the sack. Um, and it, it's just not, it's just not there. So seven quarterback hits for a backup offensive line. The second offensive line was... Tyree Phillips, Wyatt Davis, Ben Bredesen at center, right guard Jack Anderson, and then right tackle Matt Parrott. And, you know, I didn't think Parrott did a bad job, but he also had a false start penalty. So uh, particularly the right tackle position wasn't a position of strength for the Giants on Sunday. Moving on to the defense. The Giants got three sacks. Going to put it out there. There was real, you know, really uh, no real pass rush. Uh, they really couldn't get to the quarterback a lot. You look at the quarterback hit sheet, there was none from a defensive lineman or a linebacker, like an outside linebacker. Uh, Michael McFadden had a sack, Gerard Davis half a sack, and Nick McLeod one and a half sacks. I mean, you attribute that to cornerback blitzes. I think McLeod's got more than one and a half sacks on the year. If not, great job still, Nick McLeod, uh, going in and hitting Jalen Hurts. But, uh, yeah. The defensive lineman that played, you know, Jack Heflin, Henry Mondo, those guys didn't really touch the quarterback. And, you know, I can't say that I'm totally mad at that. You know, I would have liked maybe O'Shane Zimenez or Tamon Fox to touch the quarterback in terms of a quarterback hit. But, uh, you know, obviously we played a starting caliber offensive line. I would like to take advantage a little bit more. But, hey, the Giants got three sacks on Jalen Hurts. I can't be mad about that. Uh, They were decent against the run. I would say that, um, you know, obviously the yardage stacks up, but four yards per carry, I mean, that has to be one of their better performances in the last few weeks, uh, especially going up against a still pretty good Eagles offensive line outside of right tackle, and you know, when you have your backups in. So uh, there's that, um, and we played with backup linebackers. There's a lot of guys that didn't play from our starters, but at the end of the day, I mean, Landon Collins did play, Tony Jefferson, Michael McFadden, Gerard Davis. Uh, they were decent against the run. You know, Landon Collins and Tony Jefferson really don't make too many eye-popping plays. I mean, Landon Collins last week with the uh, the pick six against the Colts, that's obviously eye-popping. But with that being said, you know, Michael McFadden didn't really make any eye-popping plays. I don't really value him as a run-stopper too much, just as a sideline-to-sideline side linebacker. Um, I wasn't really too impressed. Maybe I still have to watch the film. But uh, I wasn't too impressed with Gerard Davis. Like, he didn't do anything for me to say he should be starting linebacker. You know, I know a lot of people are going to jump to that conclusion. And if they see something different than I do, hey, listen, obviously, we'll see what happens. But uh, Gerard Davis was obviously inactive last week. And, uh, you know, against the Eagles... He had a couple of nice tackles, but nothing eye-popping. So we'll see if he gets reps against the Vikings, his former his, uh, his former rival. 
because he was with the Lions for so many years. Uh, decent against the run, not too much to take away from the linebackers. A.J. Brown was still a killer, and so was Devontae Smith. Uh, you know, A.J. Brown had 95 receiving yards. One was a really big play. Um, I think it was in the first quarter, one of the first plays, and then there was another one where Darius Williams allowed. So there's that, and then, you know, pretty much other than that, silent. Uh, Devonta Smith, yeah, he had some nice plays. There was one that was, like, over the middle. Uh, I think they were in zone, and he just found the hole in the zone. So there's that. Uh, in terms of corners, actually, I'm going to go to safety real quick. Dane Belton with an interception. Are you talking about that? Um, maybe he gets more reps in the playoffs, but I think they trust Pinnock a little bit more because he's a corner safety. He's more of a veteran, so they may elect to go there in the playoffs. Um, even you know, even though you have Julian Love and Xavier McKinney back, so obviously they still could do a third safety with uh, three safety looks or putting Pinnock somewhere at the corner position or in the safety position or wherever they want slot. Who knows? But um, you know, he's just. I guess a better DB in their eyes right now than a guy like Dane Pelton, who's still, you know, learning different things. Um, out of the corner position, I thought McLeod and Nick, uh, Nick McLeod and Cordell Flott stood out. Uh, Radarius Williams did allow a few receptions. I mean, he was going up against A.J. Brown. He did well against the Cowboys, didn't really get any reps afterward. Um, and that's what he complained about. That's why he was benched. So there's that, but obviously he looked a little worse this game. But uh, Nick McLeod, I mean, I didn't really see any bad things from him. Uh, he got a couple of sacks, a couple of quarterback hits on, you know, Jalen Hurts. And uh, Cordell Flott, I mean, he allowed maybe two receptions notably during the game. But uh, he could be solid. He could be a solid corner. He just needs to beef up a little bit. You know, he just needs to beef it up. Uh, I think he's like 175 right now. Get to the 200 range. Gain some pounds, gain some muscle, and maybe you could, you know, be a solid corner for us. Because I think what they want to do eventually is, I don't know where they're going to attack corner in the draft next year, but, you know, Fabian Moreau is going to be a one-year wonder. You don't know if you're actually going to sign him to another one-year contract. Dory Jackson, um, I don't think they could cut him because I think they restructure the contract. So there's that. Um... But you got McLeod, who's a solid piece. They could stick him in the slot and then maybe have Flott as an outside corner. So, you know, we'll see where they go in terms of that. Uh, McLeod, I already mentioned. Williams, Belton, all that stuff. So, stock up, stock down. I would say the O-line, Cordell Flott, Nick McLeod, Dane Belton, and the running backs. Uh, Lawrence Cager as well. Lawrence Cager definitely deserves a stock up. Um... I think that's all the players I wanted to mention. I know Gerard Davis had a half a sack. As I said, I wasn't really too impressed with him. Um, stock down, Bradarius Williams, Davis Webb. And that's pretty much that. Pretty much that. Um, but uh, stock up could be Kenny Galladay too. Hey, listen, he got a touchdown. So, you know, that's the only time we're going to see him in extended reps. Um, before we go to... Uh, the snap count, like we usually do, we're going to go through players that did not play, were not active. So the inactives as, are as follows. Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Andrew Thomas, Aziz Ojolari, Saquon Barkley, Adoree Jackson, and Julian Love. Players that did not play. I'm surprised Tyrod Taylor did not play, but I guess they didn't want to risk injury you know, with a backup quarterback just in case Jones gets hurt. Because you know, if you go into the Vikings game with Davis Webb as your backup and 
that's just not a good situation to be in. You don't really want to bring in another veteran quarterback, you know, to learn the system all over again just to be an upgrade over Davis Webb. But, you know, obviously this was Webb's game kind of to play. So Tyrod Taylor, Kayvon Thibodeau, Daniel Jones, Isaiah Hodgins, Xavier McKinney, John Feliciano, Mark Lewinsky, Daniel Bellinger, Darnay Holmes, Fabian Moreau, and Jalen Smith. So those are the people who did not play, and before that, the people that were inactive. Now let's take a look at those snap counts as we always do. Let's start with offense. Five people played 100% of the snaps. Davis Webb, Kenny Galladay, Tyree Phillips, Jack Anderson, and Ben Bredesen. 97% for Lawrence Cager, 95% for Marcus Johnson, 87% for Nick Vanette, 70% for Matt Breida, 59% for Nick Gates, 51% for Evan Neal, Parrott 49%, 46% for Gary Brightwell, 41% for White Davis, and Darius Slayton 5%. So the only real starters, Slayton, uh, Evan Neal, Gates, and Bredesen were the only guys that play that you can consider starters. The guys were backups. Um, and you obviously can't totally play your backups because uh, they need rest, A, B, I mean, there's only seven inactives, and you could, you know, there's only a 53-man roster. It's not like you could get a bunch of guys from the practice squad and totally sit your starters. It's not how it works. Talk about the defense. Dane Belton, O'Shane Zimenez, and Tavon Fox played 100%. Cordell Flott, 99%. 96% for Radarius Williams and Nick McLeod. I'm surprised they didn't elevate Zion Gilbert, but I guess he's out of elevations. Um, Gerard Davis, 96%. Ryder Anderson, 71%. 66% for Justin Ellis. 64% for Jason Pinnock. 52% for Landon Collins. 49% for Henry Mondo. 48% for Michael McFadden. 32% for Jack Heflin. Um, Tony Jefferson, 23%. Cam Brown, 4%. And Carter Coughlin, 4%. I didn't even know Cam Brown was on the field, but hey, listen. Um, I knew Carter Coughlin was on the field, so there's that. Uh, in terms of starters that played on this defense, I mean, Oshane Zimenez does get, you know, a few reps during games. Nick McLeod obviously was corner two for a long time. Uh, probably not going to be that way going to the playoffs. He'll probably play more of the slot. And I think that's what they want to do because he's better at man coverage in the slot than Darnay Holmes is. He's a bit of a smaller guy than Nick McLeod. Pinnock, you could consider a little bit of a starter. Um, Michael McFadden, he's kind of a starter. That's pretty much that. So, um... Just want to talk about momentum and all the things that, you know, happened Sunday that can transition to the playoffs. This is a big momentum pusher. Now, you look at the Vikings. I mean, obviously, they beat Nathan Peterman, Tim Boyle, and the Chicago Bears. And the Bears have the one number one pick. The Texans fucked that up for some reason. I don't know. Um, but obviously, I'm not a guy that preaches on moral victories, right? I mean, obviously, in the year Joe Judge... And maybe this year, moral victories were going to be accepted. But we started winning games. We started putting the bar up, 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 up with every single win that we had. Um, and then obviously there was that downturn that we had. The Lions game, the Eagles game, the Cowboys game, the Commanders tie. And then obviously we won against the Commanders, which you know put us in prime position. Okay, we have one more win to go and we go to the playoffs. So against... The Vikings, we were in that game. We had the lead at different points in the game, but we lost. And that was more of us killing ourselves. And I harped on that. You know, yes, we played competitive with the Vikings team. We ended up being fraudulent, 
you know, the next week after that. Um, but, you know, with that being said, as I like to say, I still think we killed ourselves despite having the moral victory. So I'm like, you know what? This gives us confidence because, yeah, we were injured and that's a built-in excuse. But at the same time, we could have done things better. Um, and, and it's not like you could have not done things better in this game. You could have won this game. You know, if the offensive execution was a little bit better, uh, if you didn't have a fake punt, that shortens the lead a little bit. Uh, I think it's, what, it was a six-point game. So you make that field goal instead of going for a fake. That puts you three points closer, but... Who knows what, you know, could have been done in different situations. It's all a what-if game. But obviously you win against the Colts, you clinch. So you go to the Eagles, or at least fans were expecting, we're going to get our asses kicked. We're not going to win this game. This game ain't even going to be fucking close. That's what I thought. I thought it was going to be like a 30-13 to game. Uh, You know, people predicted like 35-6. to And then, you know, we went in there. It's 22 to 16. So I think there's a lot to take off of this game in a positive note, a lot of positive momentum heading into the playoffs. Obviously, the Vikings have their own positive momentum. But I think, you know, would Dable and, you know, all these different guys could have done things better? Yes. But playing your backups against the number one seed and nearly winning, it's a moral victory. It's a moral victory. But, uh, a lot of positive stuff, like, comment, and subscribe to do all the good stuff, turn on notifications so you know when a live stream pops for your drops. Appreciate you all coming back. We'll have a show coming out on Saturday, obviously, for the, uh, for the preview of the Vikings game. But peace out, guys. See you later. Stay cool.